Welcome to the So So Cool Podcast, the podcast where we listen to music we liked when we were younger and decide if it's still cool or if it's just so-so. I'm Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't even think of anything that funny. And I'm Joe. And I'm Matthew. And today is going to be maybe our finale of season two. I think we're going to take a little break here and be back a little bit later. But follow us on Instagram at SosaCoolPod. I think we could probably keep some Insta content going during the hiatus. Yeah. More maybe three eleven, all three eleven. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had a, we've had some three eleven content lately. Just to let the listeners in, you know, we're talking about ideas for season three, and I think the front runner is every three eleven album. Just doing every three eleven <laughs> yes, album. Yes, <laughs> yes. That could be a season. They've made a lot yeah. of records. They've made a lot of records. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, but but you know what, guys, what dawned on me is that we've never done a country record. And uh, honestly, it's not that surprising. I don't think any of us would consider ourselves like huge country fans necessarily. But uh, this week, we're not necessarily doing a country album, but we're getting closer maybe than we've ever gotten before. Yeah. Uh, with uh, this week is my pick and we're doing Punch Brothers Anti-Fogmatic, their second studio. I might throw out a country record if we don't do 311 for season three. If we don't do 311, which we'll <laughs> probably do. <laughs> season four, I'll do a country record. Okay, good, good, good. There are some country undertones to sea change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, yeah. I don't know. I feel like this, is, this falls to me more in the uh, Americana bucket than country. Yep. But... I guess yeah. bluegrass is country. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all this is that's this goes back to like our rock, rock and roll conversation. Country is a big, big tent genre. Yes, like rock. Yeah, is. it's more country. It's certainly more country adjacent than anything. Yeah. Well, you yeah. brought up Americana, and I kind of like when we get a chance to talk about like musical fads or musical trends, and this was. This was an album that came out right in like the sweet spot for the Americana roots music boom. We always say when boom, everybody right? was wearing vests, vests and little suspenders and going like, and, hey, <laughs> doing some stomp hey. claps, <laughs> doing some ho haze. Yeah. Were you were you into that kind of stuff at the time? The Americana? It depends on what you put into that bucket, I think. I liked. um I feel like it, it was like 2008, I moved to rural Oregon mm-hmm. and started going to like weird like country dancing events and things like that. Um, yeah. And I was like, what? This is strange. I didn't you know, know anything about this kind of world. Unbeknownst to me, it was this kind of hipster kind of this evolving 
kind of resurging, like you said, yeah, uh, aspect of pop culture. Um, but yeah, a lot of mason jars at this time. A lot of yeah. mason jars. Yeah, a lot of a lot of weddings went from happening into churches to happening in barns. Yes, and that became a huge thing because I worked in the wedding industry in this sort of around this time yeah the 2010s i remember in particular being starting to get angry about all of the (laughs) weddings and farms um yeah i like uh i I liked um wilco i'm Mm -hmm. i got into wilco around this time and i'm a big fan of them um stuff like fleet foxes that first album um is kind of folk folky um americana ish um yeah i was gonna mention fleet foxes there's sort of the like stuff that was more rooted in bluegrass and like appalachian music and then there was sort of the side that was still kind of coming out of indie like yeah. the wilco and the stuff yeah. sufyan was doing at this time and I would kind of put them all into that sort of era of mm-hmm. trendy, like hipstery stuff, but I think they're probably slightly distinct. Yeah, yeah. and I thought of as you were talking about that when we looked at um, "Give Up," and we were looking at the sub pop releases, "Band of Horses," yep. and "Fleet Foxes," and probably a ton of other things that I can't think of right now were on sub pop. Yeah, yeah. and that. I think is kind of the strain that you're talking about that comes out of more of like the indie rock stuff from the early 2000s. Um, And I think that's the stuff that I kind of gravitated toward. I like Band of Horses a lot around this time. And then there was the other stuff like Mumford and Avett Brothers and stuff that I didn't really listen to as much. I've heard a bit here and there and liked some of it and, you know, but never stuck with me. And then there's the third category I think of the things that I was like listening to a lot at this time, there was a lot of chamber music and sort of like Nico Mooley and he did a collaboration with Teeter Lawson. And like, I was in a band around this time that was kind of like a mishmash of Americana and big band. Um, so we had oh, like cool. violin and viola and, uh, and horns and that sort of thing. Was it called the Dave Matthews band? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, What's his name? We talked about a uh, violin player. Andrew uh, Bird. Oh, yeah. yeah Andrew, Andrew Bird. Bird. Like, yeah. was really big at this time. Oh, yeah. This wasn't necessarily a fad that I was really into a lot of it, but there was a few groups that I really liked. Um, I wrote down, like, Mumford & Sons, The Lumineers, Abbott Brothers, Jason Isbell. Um, mm-hmm. I, really, I really got into The Civil Wars and Old Crow Medicine Show. Um, but also you saw its influence on like, like John Mayer all of a sudden did a couple albums that were way more acoustic and like he moved to Montana and started wearing the the big hats that were really popular at this time. And even like the Black Keys, uh, did stuff like this. So it was, it was a big boom. But when we talked about like the swing fad and we, we talked about how we could sort of trace its roots back to a movie. I think this one you have to say in 2000 um, the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack was a huge deal. 
you guys feel that? Were you guys into that? Because I was big time. I mean, I liked the soundtrack, but I don't know that it was a touchstone for me musically in the yeah. way that may have been for you. But I, do, I remember it, and I remember liking it and having, having the soundtrack, which is something, because I don't tend to have a lot of soundtracks. Yeah, I'd say same. Like, I remember it being um, popular as a soundtrack. But also, I may have a distorted perception of it because of you, Brandon, because you were yeah. really into it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was a big influence on me and my guitar playing and songwriting, but I was looking it up, and it won Best Album at the Grammys, Oh Brother Soundtrack, which, not Best Country Album. And not Best for a Movie, Best Album. Best Album of 2002. Wow. Which is insane, mm-hmm. but it was very popular. And around this time, a lot of people like me got exposed to some stuff that they hadn't before. And in my case, and in a lot of people's case, I think Nickel Creek was a band that if you liked this kind of stuff, was all of a sudden on the scene in 2000 and sort of crossed over into being a bit mainstream. And that's Chris Thiele's band prior to Punch Brothers. So... Let me just give a little background on Chris Thiele. He was kind of like a child prodigy. Began playing mandolin at five. By 12, he was like winning competitions and started releasing albums, solo albums. And uh, he had met Sean and Sarah Watkins when they were all little kids. Um, and they formed this group, Nickel Creek, who, I mean, they were just all kind of like, I've seen them described as wunderkinds. Uh, just three really talented bluegrass players who were very young. And then as they grew up, they started pushing into more of a pop-centric bluegrass and more of a progressive bluegrass. And in 2000, they really kind of exploded on the scene after Oh Brother, because um, Alison Krauss was somebody who was kind of made a big deal from Oh Brother, and she produced their first crossover record. So. Yeah, so I got really into Nickel Creek, and uh, they, they had won some Grammys and been nominated for some Grammys. They won uh, Best Contemporary Folk Song for off, something off their fourth album, and Chris Thiele also continued to do uh, solo work. Specifically, I, I remember being really into one called Deceiver, which was uh, an album I was really into back in the day, um, and that was when he sort of was testing out how much he could do outside of bluegrass. He, it features 39 instruments, and he played them all himself. It's a pretty cool album, but there's something about Chris Thiele's songwriting, and I'll talk about this more later, that reminds me a little too much of certain aspects of my past and my religious upbringing and uh, stuff that just bums me out. And that, <laughs> that album has some of that. You guys probably know him from NPR from live from here i mean i knew nickel creek but i never like i never listened to nickel creek but i knew of them and i think i mean they had like made appearances on npr if i recall and so like i remember hearing them occasionally in the ether but i never got into it yeah personally i i never um got into nickel creek really either but i mean i think i knew them just from you like you were really that could be too and then other people that we knew were really into them. And I did hear 
like live from here or Prairie Home Companion, um, like driving around running errands on like a Saturday. Um, right. Never really went out of my way to listen to that. Um, but I did remember I made the connection of like, oh, the guy from Nickel Creek. I didn't know mm-hmm. about what he had done between like 2001 and 2016 or whatever when he took over. Um, yeah. But I do remember thinking like, oh, this is markedly better than Garrison Keillor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I remember because I, I love, there was a long period where I listened to only NPR in the car, but I hated Prairie Home Companion <laughs> with such like visceral. <laughs> yeah. And so like anytime it would come on, I would immediately just, I like, I would rather not listen to anything. So yeah. I didn't even know, like, I know that cause I heard Garrison Keillor kind of get fired and all that. And that somebody knew. And I, I think I remember making the connection that like, Oh, this was somebody from a, one of those Americana bands, but I also just wasn't interested in Prairie Home Companion anyway. So I never even gave the new version a shot. They did seem to have a, an uptick in uh, an improvement in like the musical guests and stuff too. I noticed during that time because it was Chris Thiele. Like, yeah, I remember like Sufjan being on like a few times and like Nico case and just like Riley, uh, Rilo Kylie or something like, you know, like I don't even know if I'm just like throwing out types of acts that I would like, (laughs) yeah, that I would hear on it. And then I'd be like, Oh, this is cooler than like what it used to be. For Um, sure. So, And what's funny is when when we were doing this album this week and you like, if you look up YouTube, like Chris Thiele and stuff, he has performed with so many cool acts from so many different genres. It, it He pops up in like all these things and, and probably half of them are from live from here. Uh, people he had on and he got to play with. I think um, like Fiona Apple. I think I saw like a video of him performing with Fiona Apple. And yeah, there's yeah. just a lot of. Yeah. And I think. I don't know if I'm fully remembering this right, but I think Sarah from Nickel Creek did an album with Fiona Apple. Um, mm. There was a lot of crossover with people that we liked with these peop- with these musicians. The only thing else I wanted to say about Chris Thiele was that uh, he's a recipient of the MacArthur Fellowship, uh, colloquially known as the MacArthur Genius Grant. Um, and he's been nominated for 23 Grammys for various projects and has won four. So, I mean, very, very impressive resume, Uh, which brings us to this week. I wanted to talk about Punch Brothers, which is a group that I got into pretty, pretty deeply around this time. So I was into Nickel Creek and then I had seen Chris Thiele live in Philly. I had seen Nickel Creek like three times live, but um, I saw him live and his touring band at the time was basically the Punch Brothers, but they hadn't yet solidified it as a band. So I've actually never seen them since then, but um, I kind of saw them in spirit. Uh, but Punch Brothers are a five-piece band made up of instruments associated with bluegrass music, uh, but they're not really a bluegrass group per se. Um, and it started out as Chris Thiele's backing band, for one of his solo records. And um, then they, they kind of formed around this movement of music that he wrote called The Blind Leaving the Blind, which is a five-piece string quintet in four movements. And I just watched this documentary again this week that's about, that's about them. And 
that's really the catalyst that he put them together for. And then in this album, in this album is really where they started kind of becoming a band and equally participating, uh, their second album, Antifogmatic. So anyway, I've talked a lot. What, what did you guys think about it? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I've always kind of appreciated bluegrass. And I think this album to me really crosses over with sort of early 21st century avant-garde chamber music. Like I mentioned Nico Muli before, or like Nadia Sirota. And that's, I was listening to a lot of that stuff at the time, or even some of the avant-garde jazz, like Ruben Ratting at the time in the late aughts, early 2010s was doing like really interesting soundscape kind of stuff, multi-instrument, extended technique kind of things to get weird atmospheric sounds, really a lot of close mic'd kind of chamber sounds. And so I really liked that aspect of it where it had this kind of bluegrass Appalachia feel, but also kind of a, I don't know, postmodern avant-garde kind of thing happening at the same time, which was really cool. I liked it. A lot of interesting sonic territory is covered. Um, it's not always in a, you know, for a record that at moments has a bit of a pop feel to it. It it goes through a lot of atonality, and um, overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same. I I, I enjoyed it a lot. It's really, um, I feel like taking a lot of interesting sounds and tonality and kind of experimentation and packaging it in like a pretty approachable way with um sort of an unconventional instrumentation. So there's a lot of stuff that I was like just really impressed by and yeah, I I I thought it was good. It didn't feel like something I would normally gravitate towards, but I was really uh impressed by it, so I liked it. I really also like, you know, the fact that it's just a string group. And I think that gives it a really interesting quality where they kind of have to, they have to fill out the percussive side and the, um, the rhythm section. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting sounds that they get out of that arrangement. Brandon, you sent around the, them playing kid a. Yeah. Um, and I was like a little skeptical. And when I listened to it, I was like, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I kind of want to talk about, uh, just like how many covers they've done over the years. Uh, Nickel Creek did that too. Um, but when, when we started the podcast, one of the people I kept thinking about that I wanted to revisit was maybe either Nickel Creek or this. And when I go back to Nickel Creek now, there is a just like, we've talked about this, Joe, that you're like, if there's, if there's zero grit, it's not very like Nickel Creek comes across so sickly sweet in a way um, that I wasn't super excited about doing them on the pod. So, so I I thought Punch Brothers would be would be good. Yeah, there's a lot of emotion on this, a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I like that expressiveness for sure. It's basically like Chris Thiele and. Um, and Nickel Creek, I'm sure, but it's, it's like we grew up playing this traditional bluegrass stuff, but we're also super into Radiohead and Fiona Apple and, and all of, all of this different kind of stuff. And they're really exploring like 
formal music, jazz, rock through their bluegrass instruments. So it sounds different, but like, I feel like they're trying to rock out. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that's cool. And um, it's funny, Nickel Creek used to do covers. When I saw them, they were doing Radiohead covers. They did Toxic by Britney Spears. (laughs) They did The White Stripes. Oh, I think he did that. I think he did that solo. He did like A Strokes, White Stripes. But he also will do like Bach. And um, WC on uh, Punch Brothers. That that's an aspect of it that I think is really cool. Um, and and they have the Fiona Apple on the bound. Uh, did you guys see Radiohead? They they did packed like sardines in a crushed tin box on on this album's deluxe edition i did not listen to the deluxe edition i i saw they did it but i didn't listen to it love that song though yeah yeah it's it's really cool and uh so punch brothers just talk a little bit about the personnel for this album chris thiele on mandolin and vocals And, and what's interesting about this is it's really just performed live and with those instruments there's not i don't think there's a single technique uh used in production to make it anything other than trying to manipulate what was there at the time they played it um chris thiele gabe witcher on fiddle and vocals gnome pickleney on banjo and vocals chris eldridge on guitar and vocals and paul cowart double bass and vocals and this was produced by john bryan who we talked about on the elliott smith record um but really, they talked about his contribution was mostly setting up how they were going to record in the room, and he was extremely opinionated about that, and he really did a lot to make sure that it sounded, uh, it sounded its best. But I think he kind of just let them do their thing. Going back to it, I was really taken by the dynamics on this record. I was like, and it's so cool that like these acoustic instruments allow them to be so much more dynamic than like the electric stuff and electronic stuff it it just is a different kind of feel and it it just feels alive in a different way and i really appreciate that about it yeah i really it's one thing i did note is just the recording technique i think it is really effective i don't know exactly how they set it up but it's the way that they're getting this very close mic'd sound but also you get a sound of the the room they're in but then the vocals are like extremely dry mm-hmm. um like there's no there's no reverb on the vocals and um so you get kind of this like they're playing in a small it, intimate space and it feels kind of like you're sitting in a room with them which is really cool yeah yeah, and I really feel like they're they're accomplishing that by like moving away, turning away from the microphone, like just the way they're um, themselves creating the feeling of space or creating the feeling of closeness, and it's it's just really cool. And I would also say that this record stands apart in my mind because 
of the Punch Brothers work, I feel like their second, third, and fourth albums are the ones that I really got into. And um, this was their second. But on their third and fourth, I can think of like little studio techniques. And I can think of on their fourth, maybe like a delay effect or something. And on this, it's just they're performing it themselves. Um, and I think that's really cool. And they, they're not doing a ton on the other albums, but this one just stands out as really just a performance. Um, and that they rely on those instruments to create a ton of different sounds that you wouldn't expect. So did you want to listen? Let me pull it up. Again, this is Antifogmatic by Punch Brothers. It was released on June 15th, 2010 on None Such Records. And I don't really feel like it was super caught up in the Americana thing, but I think they definitely benefited from that. Um, I think there was definitely people who found them because of that. But when I think of the Americana boom, I'm not like, oh, Punch Brothers got real famous because that didn't happen. But, And I, I do think because of the nature of experimentation it's probably it's probably a lot for people uh sort of a it yeah it's sort of a different thing yeah you know it's not like the anthemic yeah yeah it's not accessible in in the way that a lot of those lumineers type things were you are first track particularly love the way that the double bass is recorded yeah it's one of my favorite aspects of the record is how how round the bottom end is and <laughs> i realize okay. how that sounds like um <laughs> yeah i like a round bottom end myself so. um no, it just really gives it because I think like one thing that could happen when you record strings only is it could it could end up feeling a little more mid heavy, and yeah. I I just really appreciate how much how much the the double bass fills it out. Um, it really does give it a grounding kind of feel, and you can kind of feel the thumpingness in your chest when listening to it, which is cool. There's nothing, yeah. nothing mid about this album. <laughs> Is that what the kids say? Mid? Mid. I've never heard that. Oh, I'm cooler than you, I guess. <laughs> okay. No cap. No cap. <laughs> I really like that motif that they introduced there, that... Yeah. They bring that in in such cool ways that... They they play it on different instruments in like I don't even know how to describe it. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's in different time signatures, but they're playing it starting at different times and it creates this really cool effect. I believe that would be 
called a round. Yeah, but it but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. They're just kind of. I mean, that's a definitely an improv, improvisation technique. Is you take the same part and you move it a move it over a, a couple of beats, or you invert yeah. it, or things like that. Yeah. And yeah, the kind of stuff that you would expect to hear maybe on a jazz record, but not um, maybe expect to hear right off the bat. And you're like, whoa, okay. Um, and we didn't really get there, so maybe I'm jumping ahead too much. But uh, Well, should we listen? There's a, a little interlude. That would be nice yeah. to listen to. Do it. that just continual descending line as he's singing the the hook yeah it's really yeah it's such pretty. an interesting melody mm-hmm. and his voice is i mean his voice is crazy what he can do with it it's really good um but i yeah i love this song this is one of those songs we keep saying this but this is one of those albums i, I should say of a one-two punch of the first two songs that i think of like man um Honestly, again, I'm tipping my hand too much, but the first half of this record is so good, in my opinion, um, across the board. But yeah, love this song. I agree. First two tracks are, I think, the strongest on the record. Um, there's one other section we had noted down. I don't remember exactly why. Okay. But should we listen to that? This might be where you mentioned this solo, sort of like... Maybe? I, well, there's there's like a big chorus. I think the "you are, you are, you are" to me is is a refrain, but I almost think of this other part as a chorus too, and it's much bigger. I think if I, if it's a shouting was really cool and when they come in with harmonies here yeah and the the banjo really kind of fills out the percussive side is cool it's funny how they they have to take turns being the percussive element the mandolin really takes that a lot and the banjo takes turns with that and it's it's just super interesting and like hearing what the bass was doing there like a lot of movement and like there's so many layers to uh what they're doing that it's even hard to pick them all out it's good shit there's there's a little bit of funkiness to that yeah that's true Oh, well, we didn't have a funk analysis lined up. <laughs> yeah, the performances are really impressive. Just thinking of like doing the vocal, like 
doing that live just in general were the vocals done live too i believe so but i i couldn't say for sure but but because they're so you know they're so fluid with the the way that they play everything i sort of ex- i sort of uh expect that it was all just done together i wonder if he was in a if everyone else was in a room and he was in a booth cuz the vocals are so dry and there's you get a little bit of a room sound from the rest of the strings but not not his voice i mean that just could be what i'm hearing and that totally wrong but uh yeah i'd be curious to know if if how they recorded it yeah that's interesting i i don't actually know enough to uh to answer it definitively don't need to don't Don't need need no This is also a good, you mentioned in the previous song how they would do sort of repeating of light motifs. Uh, yeah, they like, and they'd play, they'd switch where it was in the beat. And that's yeah. like, you can really hear it on this one where the mandolin's doing it and then the bass uh, echoes it, but later, which is cool. right. Yeah. And that all, uh, that first like minute, is just such a cool little thing and then it and then it breaks into just like a a sweet riff um which i love i'm a sucker for and this is probably my favorite punch brothers song in general i love it yeah the i was just gonna say like that um intro do you want to just plot do you no go 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 well it reminds me of this is it just like reminds me of something that like we would have tried to do like the the <laughs> it reminds me of like <laughs> what we were going for with like Waltz in the House or something. Oh, or a bit with a music we wrote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but we, we weren't nearly as good. That. Like it was, it was always like no, like um, like toddler version of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it reminded me of like I remember from back then, like Bela Fleck and like mm, yeah, mm-hmm. like. Gut Bucket. Do you remember that band? Gut yes. Bucket. Yeah. Kind of yes. did a lot of that stuff. Like, I remember really being uh, influenced by Bela Fleck in late high school for sure. Yeah. Before we listen to the vocals, I should also mention that Chris did not sing this one. Occasionally, Gabe, the fiddle player, is the lead. Will take lead vocals, and he sang on this one. I don't need no chorus, cash, and now I don't need no cash. Your boy. 
love this. Oh, yeah. I actually didn't know that was uh, a different singer. I didn't know the first couple times I listened to it either. Yeah, I didn't notice it. They sound very similar. They do, and this and the fiddle player has a great voice. It's just slightly deeper. Yeah, you can hear it after you said it, but like I wouldn't have noticed it just listening. Yeah, yeah, same. And he sings another one on the next album, and that's another one of my absolute favorite Punch Brothers songs. There's something about his tunes that um that he sings lead on that are super cool (laughs) i i think this is a really good example of like taking something that might be um overly it's making something pretty approachable that's like there's a lot going on musically here that for some folks might be like oh that's 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 a little weird but like pat packaging especially that like the vocal parts um when they're yeah, not yeah. doing all the noodly interludes, um, it's an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, of something that's just like a cool riff and singing, and then all this other more experimental stuff. Yeah, the vocals are just kind of a like a traditional folk tune. Yeah, but then those harmonies, those dissonant harmonies, are yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think I read an a review in like the AV Club of this album, and they were like talking about the like jazzy influence and experimentation and then they were like and then there's these like more straightforward bluegrass inspired songs like and i think they named rye whiskey and don't need no yeah i was like that seems strange to my ear because of how discordant and like experimental like the music is but i suppose if you're just looking at the sung parts um and like the yeah. riff over that it's like okay that that but i wouldn't pull that out as one of the most like traditional songs on the album i wouldn't sure. put this one in that bucket rye whiskey for sure yeah mm-hmm. totally and the next tune alex i think also kind of feels a little more songy hmm. it was like on fine display on the twangy album highlights uh, they just say twangy so twangy that yeah. makes sense. And there yeah. is like a fiddle solo on this that's pretty, sounds like it could be on a bluegrass record um, without too much adjustment. But yeah, it's it's got that like, almost like the stomp, stomp along type thing yeah, uh, that's that true. keeps it going. It's anchored, it's anchored in a really accessible sort of twangy, sort of bluegrass sort of engine. And then what they're doing over top of it is super interesting and experimental it's almost entirely the rhythm and the vocals that anchor it in that yeah because the rest of the instrumentation is not yeah yeah speaking of the instrumentation what are the writing credits on this um Mm. did they collaborate on the arrangements or yes it says chris gabe greg gnome and paul 
Greg Garrison. Who's Greg Garrison? Okay. <laughs> Weren't there some uh, members that, um, maybe previous members or something? So yeah, Greg Garrison was the bass player before the the bass player stepped in on this record. Okay. Sorry. So he had some writing credits on this album? Just yes. From... Cool. Yeah. Glad we sorted that out. Yeah, very, <laughs> very glad. The solos here, the mandolin solo is very sort of avant-garde choices, the tonality that he chooses. But then the fiddle solo feels more straight ahead bluegrass. So that's kind of cool too. That definitely it jazz influence kind of solo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like the record is a very good showcase of their incredible chops and incredible talent, but it doesn't really feel like a showy. It feels very much like in service of the thing that they're doing, which I also appreciate. I was just watching a thing with Chris Thiele talking about like he tries to play three to five hours a day. I was like, well, okay. Like, if you think about him doing that basically from the time he's five years old, uh, kind of get a feel for what kind of person he is, I guess. Yeah, you get your 10,000 hours in real quick. Yeah, for sure. We'll have no Malcolm Gladwell references on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not his thing. He just stole the, I mean, that's a theory that's not Malcolm Gladwell's theory. Sort of popularized it. Almost has like a Steve Reich kind of vibe to it. Just the beginning, not here. teeth back very cool so cool yeah i'm glad you brought that up joe of like our high school selves would have crapped our pants uh hearing this because because that's how i've always felt about this but you've always crapped your pants when you listen to it (laughs) you bet every time every time (laughs) um but uh that's how I've always felt about this kind of song. I, I've, I've tried yeah. to share this song with other people, and they're like, eh, it's not my favorite. Um, but I'm like, doesn't it kind of blow your mind, this song? Like, yeah, And so totally. it's, it's really nice to have you guys uh, sort of back me up on that, because this is, this is when I think of Punch Brothers, I think, like, this is what they can offer that's really up my lane. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked that section kind of, to me, uh, had sort of that um, wall of sound era of Steve Reich, where it's just like you get all these different polyrhythms from everybody kind of doing a similar thing, but displaced. And was it's that, really cool. Was that when Phil Spector was producing his albums? 
yeah, um, exactly. I like the way you described the the sort of virtuosity of this song, Matt. Like just like they they do it in a way that it it keeps it interesting and it feels like it's um musical and has a purpose um yeah it's not just like mm-hmm. a wanky thing yeah and yeah, it doesn't seem extremely wanky because of how good they are and and they're obviously they're extremely practiced in bluegrass mm-hmm. which is a far more <laughs> wanky genre than sure. what they're mm-hmm. doing here <laughs> but it doesn't feel i think there's sometimes that kind of thing can feel self-serving and i think that's mm-hmm. something that like when we were talking about like guitar solos in like hair metal for example they just feel yeah. like they're there to make the person playing it feel really awesome as opposed yeah. to like here it just it's really cool definitely showing a like clear talent but it also does like you said joe it feels like it's it's serving some musical purpose that which i mean you know guitar solos and rock songs also serve a purpose it's just i guess for me there's like versions of it which it's like is it more for you is it or is it more for me and right yeah 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 and that's kind of the point i was trying to make too a little bit of like it doesn't feel like the the guitar solos in in metal and shredding stuff is typically like spotlight on this is the spotlight area where you're supposed to be like whoa and this whole thing is just so incredibly impressive <laughs> that it's like you don't you don't even feel that um one time more than the other it's just the whole experience of like wow this is amazing <laughs> there- there was also a part in the last clip that we listened to where talking about like the still packaging it in like an approachable way. They were like, it's instrumental, but the violin was doing something. And I, I think m- maybe two of us made a face like, yeah, it was just like, <laughs> it is just like, yeah. um, like kind of just cool, rocky type, like yeah. bending into a, to a note or something where it was just like, it wasn't, there's all this like intricate stuff going on, but then there was this thing too that was just like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sl- the way that the violin slid down was yeah. almost mm-hmm. kind of like a a John Frusciante guitar solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a cool juxtaposition there. I was wondering if maybe they wrote this song by like having a theme and then having different members of the the splitting the band into two teams and then going into different rooms <laughs> oh, and God. writing parts. And then <laughs> I thought you were going to say playing thought... them on top of each other. <laughs> Who would do that? Just referring to a very specific moment in our in, band's history in, in my parents' basement when we were in high school. I thought that was cool. And it yielded yeah. excellent results. Yeah. That was one of my most favorite memories of the band, actually, the creative process of our band. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I thought you were gonna go with uh, you wanted it. You thought maybe they'd bring John Frusciante in for a solo, um, <laughs> which I actually wouldn't mind hearing that mashup. Shall I move uh, on to Alex? Yeah, yeah. Let me preface this one by saying, like, we talked a lot about like what they're able to accomplish just with their instruments. There's so many cool sounds going on in this song that I love. 
And we're starting this one, I think we're starting in the uh, second verse because it's just cooler. More stuff going on. Let your long hair down Like the prettiest brush you could ever use to paint this town Cause you know As well as real appreciation for this song i really love this song yeah he gets i really uh love the moments he gets a little vocal fry in there and mm-hmm. like that quality a lot and was that the mandolin or the banjo that was doing the like just the I, banjo brrr, yeah that's gotta be banjo so, yeah that's what i thought but yeah. very cool again like kind of gives it that um fills out the rhythm section or something that like a piano might do in like a kind of a bar piano thing where it's just like uh trilling twinkling. on a yeah twinkling <laughs> on an on an octave to get that yeah um jangly yeah sound. and the rapid fireness of that banjo in the chorus is like whoa how's he even playing that it's almost it, it's almost reminds me a little bit of like flamenco i don't know what the st- the mm. technique of doing that on the banjo is but like in flamenco where you sort of rake you rake with your fingers to get um really really fast bursts this song when i was listening this week reminded me of like a great disney musical moment like um for instance like uh kiss the girl from little mermaid just like a really nice song but there's like a lot of different sounds and that's kind of what i kept thinking every time i heard this this week i was like it just kind of reminds me of a disney song in a good way (laughs) no one knows what to say after that (laughs) i know so that song is like in the little mermaid that's like where the one character is cueing the birds to sing and Mm -hmm. the crickets and the whatever and kind of creating this like this sound from animals and the the things that they can do. So from that aspect, I totally know what you're saying, but that song, I have (laughs) weird feels about that song. Yeah. I don't remember that song. You don't, you don't watch the little Mermaid all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's been a while, 30 over 30 years since I've seen it probably. Yeah. But I love the part where the guy has a boner. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Boy, I'm really a net negative today. (laughs) What did you think of that song, Joe? I like that song. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I see what you mean. I, I feel like there's like a theatrical kind of quality to the big chorus and all of the harmonies. Uh, I don't get the Disney thing, maybe just because I don't know the specific song you're referring to, but I definitely see it. Yeah, it's I mean, pretty. Should I sing it? There no. <laughs> you see her sitting there across the way. <laughs> yeah, do the accent. That's really. <laughs> yeah. Is that um, something Sebastian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to um, kiss the girl. Shaky Graves, who falls into the Americana, he does. I've heard him do a cover of that song, actually. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think this song's really pretty. It's really, it's got a lot of shape to it, which is nice for um, a song that's a bit slower than some of the others on the record. It's got a cool, got a cool vibe, got a cool shape. And. I like that aspect. Yeah. I specifically noted how cool the bass sounds on this one. Yeah. Rye whiskey? Yeehaw! Rye whiskey! <laughs> Sorry, bottom Yeah, it definitely has that Oh Brother, Where Art Thou vibe. Makes your baby cuter Makes herself taste sweeter Oh boy, rye whiskey Makes your heart beat louder Makes your voice seem softer the Makes the fat moon hotter Oh, my thoughts Aren't good thoughts Boys, have I ever told you About the time I I'll be honest um this is probably my least favorite song on mm-hmm. here. Um and I think only because everything else feels like it's really pushing uh pushing genre territory mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. And then this one like, you know, Joe, you're like Soggy Bottom Boys. Yeah, it just makes me think of that stuff and it's mm-hmm. a lot less going on. It does sneak up on it. It has moments where it sneaks up on me. Like there are a couple of moments where it turns around from a from sort of this two four, and then it, it adds a beat, so it's got yeah. a three four, and then so it kind of has this like four five feel to it, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. But it also just feels kind of like all right, yeah. Like we're talking about rye whiskey and doing yeah. a bluegrass tune it just kind of feels like um maybe the more accessible song on the record but i think yeah was to me a little people who were fans of him before i would say yeah uh people i think people would probably be pretty psyched about this one uh who who knew him before um I don't dislike it i don't mean to say that it's just like in the context of the rest of the record yeah right you hate it matt (laughs) It's it's <laughs> trash. It's garbage. Yeah. It's a it's a pleasant song to listen to. Um it's it does feel a little um like you said given the um experimentation that they do in all of the other songs it does stick out. Yeah. Um it's like why why uh, you know doesn't there doesn't have to be an answer to why but it's just like you know kind of just it feels like 
they kind of slapped this on here. Um, but it's fun to listen to. I mean, an album yeah. of this, obviously, I would be like, oh, okay, this is just, you know, not super interesting. Um, but to have yeah. one song, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love the energy. I love a, I love a good bluegrass, bluesy type uh based song like this but uh lyrically there's a lot of stuff that makes me cringe now um and again like i don't know how much i said before but there's there's this way that he views women and relationships that's a real bummer and i don't think he's being himself i think he's being a character but it still is in this like way that rubs me the wrong way yeah and i was this written i agree i don't i actually didn't really listen to the lyrics of this song but i noted it in an in a song coming up that i was like oh the lyrics are really creepy um suppose like they sound like they're supposed to be sweet or like endearing but they just come off really possessive and weird i think i I know which one you're talking about (laughs) and that's there's such a this guy was messed up by fundamentalist christianity about that song um yeah yeah there's a view of women that's like your mine uh yeah. which is weird um was was this i mean because i know he had gotten divorced and had like and part of the forming of this band was through the heartbreak of his breakup mm-hmm. um so i kind of assumed that this album had some elements of like still dealing with that but yeah yeah quite possibly um it's just, uh, yeah, I like how it sounds. I definitely don't skip this song. Um, it's, I, I, I like that Oh Brother Ward Thou type stuff. I, I probably wouldn't listen to a whole album of it necessarily, but, uh, you know, it serves a purpose that I enjoy. Yeah, so let's listen to, I, I forget why we wrote down this one section, but let's listen to it. Okay. I used to wake up bright and early, got my work done quickly, held my baby tightly. Oh boy, my whiskey makes the sunset faster, makes the spirit more willing, but the body weaker because my sleep isn't good. Yeah, I just like the kind of breakdown and the intensity that builds there. And the, yeah, the group vocals. They do a yeah. couple of really great moments on this record of the the whole group singing together. Yeah. Well, should we just move on? Let's move on. This is me and us. So this was based around something that the violin player brought, obviously. Yeah, it's very cool, that part. Fall asleep, not me. We go to bed and I lie awake. Lie awake and float out the window down the street. Over the bridge and into the village for a little break. From me, meaning That's something the they do quite a bit is sort of those 
the circles that the violin does there, the bee dee 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 dee, like mm-hmm. um, they do that quite a bit as a motif throughout the record. Oh, cool! Not always the same, that exact same pattern, intervals. but sort of that same, yeah, that sort of quality of like finding three notes and then doing it in sort of a circle and kind of having it come around, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is cool. I do feel like this one is where we're pushing the avant-garde-ness to the point that it would be challenging for people. Um, I think this one is a less accessible song, um, but with a lot of very cool ideas and stuff in it. Uh, But not as much a song that you just turn on to rock out to. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's funny because, yeah, it's one of the ones that I think sonically i gravitate towards because i think those are the elements that i find interesting on it mm-hmm. is the the atonality of the how the violin kind of soars on top of it and then there's a moment up here that i would love to listen to where you know we've heard a lot of sort of like uh you know the bass sort of plucking and mm-hmm. then there's some like really nice moments where the violin and the double bass will, you know, do some bowed sections together um, that create a nice, nice difference in tone and quality. So, yeah. Am I lost? Am I lost? Have I lost? Have they thrown me? banjo underneath in flames far enough from you to if me still means solo starts like comes out of those chords and then yeah it, it, it's a very subtle way that it starts yeah it's like ooh, what's the banjo doing and then it kind of takes over and yeah. yeah and definitely you can hear the avant-garde jazz influence both in the composition and the chord structure as well as yeah. this sort of approach to soloing there actually reminds me um there are a couple of moments in the voicings of those chords it reminds me of this uh, this artist, uh, Sam Sadagursky, has uh, this project called The Words Project. It's a jazz record. Just reminded me of that. Words! <laughs> it's, actually, it's a really cool, really cool record. Lots of different guest vocalists on it. It's just whenever I hear the word words, I just think <laughs> of words! <laughs> <laughs> Should we listen to, there's a really cool, we talked about, how they do group vocals um, in Rye Whiskey. We were talking about that. And they do 
really cool version of it on this tune. Like, yeah, might be one of my favorite moments. the flames, but to just get colder and colder. Oh, that dissonant the chord. Boys at least half a and a selfish and a girl's feeling a day older and then resolving it to the major it's very pretty that is one of those moments where i'm like i don't know how they do that without all singing together i feel like i lean toward he's singing in the same room but maybe he's not but um i mean yeah i mean totally it could be the the way that they the way that he like does a weird syncopation in the second part of that i i don't even know that i've ever noticed how cool that is and how together they are that's really cool i mean yeah i mean they he could be in a booth and still being able to see everybody yeah um so they could cue but yeah, I don't know. I mean, they could all just be in the same room together and just it could be a, a room with not a lot of reflection. So you just don't get much of a reverb. But yeah, I just I'm a sucker for some low, low bass singing. And that yeah. is like they don't do a ton of it. Like usually when they do the group vocals, they're doing a little bit more of the shout stuff like in Rye Whiskey. Um, but here you get like almost a chamber ensemble kind of vibe, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, cool song. Uh, there's one more section we had in this. Okay. Um, but I don't remember why. I think it might just be more of the like the way the violin plays. Um, okay. So let's listen. This is like exactly like the intro. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is different though. Yep. Taking the same sort of motif, but stretching it out um, yeah. half time underneath the violin doing it. it's really cool like the violins playing the like quarter notes and then underneath there's this phrasing that's half that time and sort of creating that shape and then the i don't know if it's the mandolin or the banjo on top that's doing the double time of it like yeah neat yeah we've said this before about other things but this is definitely music for musicians it's challenging if your ears not used to it i guess is what i'd say yeah yeah i think this one may have been at least in the instrumentation, my favorite. Yeah, this one's really good. But that's because I'm a pretentious fuck, so. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you need to know what's going on necessarily musically. No, no, it's but just, just pretty. It's just, if you're open to something that sounds a little different and, and is like experimenting with, with tonality and time and stuff, it's, it's interesting. But if you're yeah. in it for like straight ahead, bluegrass then this could turn you off yeah 
I think that's right. Just taking it at face value, I think it's just really, really pretty. Yeah. And that's what that's what reels me in. And then the the musician-y stuff is sort of a nice bonus on top of it. But I think it's just super pretty. And yeah, yeah I didn't come here for the for the bluegrass, so Yeah. It's interesting. I I mentioned that I watched this documentary that I had seen a number of years ago, but I rewatched it this week and it's it's about the forming of this band and it's about kind of Chris trying to make the transition from somebody who's known for his bluegrass stuff and then starting this group essentially to perform a 40-minute five-piece string quintet front to back and there's there's a big part of the documentary about how people like just don't like you know they come to hear them and the and Mm. some people are like this sucks like out loud (laughs) Um, yeah and you just feel this like embarrassment of they haven't found this group's fans uh, they haven't weaned them down because uh, it's not going to be if you're showing up for Nickel Creek, this isn't that. Well, that's what I find so weird about. And we talked about this with in this, you know, no doubt episode about ska. Um, I just don't quite understand. I don't know. Like, I really appreciate artists when they go out on a limb and they try something new, like. Okay, sure. Did a bluegrass thing. Love bluegrass, but let me try doing a song cycle, or like a you know forty minute chamber piece. Let's. I think that that's really cool, and I like when artists take risks like that. And it's a bummer when, you know, you don't have to necessarily be a fan that crosses over into the new stuff, but it's a bummer when they kind of get discounted or or worse, kind of try it and then get push back and then sort of revert back to the mean mm-hmm. and i appreciate that like he didn't do that he just kept going and did some more interesting things yeah yeah he'll um, find new in, fans yeah. oh yeah for sure um there were people who this was um exactly what they were hoping for you know and uh it's interesting it, he's done a lot of different stuff he has a group called goat rodeo i think with Yo-Yo Ma and Edgar Meyer, uh, and there's someone else, th- um, and you might like what they do, Matt. Uh, pretty cool. Yo-Yo Ma's a hack. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I mean, like I like you know, this is the kind of thing. Like I would get into this. I probably not really a big fan of it. Like. You know, like I can appreciate Nickel Creek stuff, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to be a fan. But this, this is something that really latched on, really latched on to. So yeah, I, yeah. I feel like, um, like the no doubt example you gave is like more is they're still playing like poppy music. You know what I mean? Like it's very approachable, accessible. And that seems like Mm -hmm. more about was about like purism. Whereas like this is, I could, I mean, I feel like a lot of people who are into bluegrass music are like, maybe I'm making a generalization, but like are into like the dancing component to it. 
mm. and are like into more like the sort of there's a lot of like social element to it um yeah which might be yeah like i wasn't trying to equate the fandom or the critiques just that um like when we talked about in the ska episode there were artists who i forget which one you said brandon but like they didn't even think of themselves as a ska band and they just had this element and they wanted to like also do this other element and then they get their fans don't appreciate it or they struggle to sort of mm. break out of a genre yeah and I, that's sort of just what I was saying here is, you know, Brennan was saying that like, you know, the fans who show up who are like, oh, I love Nickel Creek. Let me go see this new thing. And they're like, oh, this is not what I was expecting. Yeah. And I think I'm glad that as an artist, he continued to push on it and didn't sort of yeah. you know, shy away from it. Recoil. Or, because, yeah, because yeah, the fans who liked the other stuff weren't along for this journey. Mm-hmm. That's all yeah. I meant by it. Yeah, it shows a lot of courage when you become real famous for something, but also he was probably like 27 at this point and had so much experience in the music industry. Yeah. Um, and so, but this next song is the one that is just so cringy because of the way he thinks about, I guess I, you know, the way that fundamentalist evangelicals boys are conditioned to think about lust and attraction and not understanding what is a healthy way of of being a sexual being and it's it's just all shame and you can feel that so much in this song because he's like and unfortunately what happens is there's so much shame and there's so much like make sure you keep yourself from lust and make sure you keep yourself pure um that men start to put the onus on women yeah to to dress differently it's shaming it's shaming the other side Mm, and possessiveness too like the song is very possessive like you should i'm telling you how to behave and you should behave that way because i can't control my own feelings (laughs) it's such a fucked up yeah it uh, is um and and i will also say that he writes songs a lot of times from different like it's not necessarily his point of view but just the very fact that this song exists is just such a tip. It's just a tip off that he has this baggage that people like me and uh, people who are raised a certain way have. Um, and it's just not pleasant to hear. I just don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It this one, me out. like I, you know, we've talked about this a bunch. I don't tend to latch on to lyrics unless they really stand out. And this one did stand out and not for good reasons yep yeah i didn't really notice the lyrics but um i will listen to them when we listen to these clips but let's give it a listen yeah it's pretty though it's a very (laughs) pretty song Mm -hmm. i told her once get thee behind me Cover up Missy for the love of God I can't not look, I can't not look And I can't do a thing about what I saw Though wish I could, wish I could She told me once Sit down beside me 
Yeah. So right off the bat, you're saying, I told thee once, get thee behind me. Get behind me, Satan, is, is actually uh, the quote. So this girl who's tempting him is a temptress. By just existing. And she's like the devil, is what... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, so much cringiness uh, in that little bit. Yeah, mm. just this is like reeking of, well, she had it coming because... Yeah, you know, shouldn't dress and, that way if you didn't want to get raped. Fine. Yeah, and you hear him say, "I can't control myself. I can't help myself." Yeah, exactly. It's just like I'm not going to be able to control myself. The the onus has to be on you to not tempt me. Um, which is such a fucked up patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. Have no men have no responsibility in this at all. Anywho, do you want to move on? <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> There's a good solo in this song. <laughs> there is. There's some cool group vocals, too. Do you want to listen to those? Yeah. Overall, though, I mean, it's a pretty song, but I feel like overall kind of boring. For Yeah. It's one of the more straightforward construction, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's of, true, too. Of the songs, That's true. too. Yeah. Well, let's listen to these vocals. Too real, too quick, too close to home, too much to I told her three times and she still didn't fucking do it. Jesus. Christ. <laughs> uh, let's listen to the violin solo. Yeah. Ah, I love those dyads. And it slightly like there's a classical element to it, but also jazz. They're like, biddly, 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 biddly. yeah, yeah, for sure. That like that's an amazing solo. Keeps going like up higher, like it's mm-hmm. this kind of has this trajectory to it. That sort of thing again. You take a motif like you're going down in thirds, or you're doing this, biddly, and then you recycle it by mm-hmm. doing it in a different places in the in the scale yeah um it's cool very effective it's very cool the next song is called the woman in the belt i'm surprised they didn't call this one one of the more traditional straight ahead bluegrass ones in that in that article you read
That vocal line is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear bluegrass, but I also, um, there's an element of like sea shanties come from is sort of like Nordic Celtic music, Mm -hmm. um, which is also actually where like bluegrass has a a lot of influence from. But I get a lot of that vibe in this too, uh, more than just like Appalachian. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the, um, the picking technique and stuff gives it that bluegrassy vibe, but it's tonally seems kind of unique and, and distinct. Yeah. I, I almost think that this one has, doesn't this one have like a nautical theme? I wasn't even paying attention to it. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. But like hearing a bell is such a nautical thing. And yep, it's, uh, uh, like talking to the captain and get a lifeboat ready and Davy's <clears throat> locker. Yeah. It's all, it's yeah, a very, yeah. yeah sea shanty kind of lyrical quality to it so that's that's previewing more what they do now like where they've gone they have they have an album that came out in 2018 called all ashore and like i said before their second third and fourth record are kind of my favorite and then their more recent stuff i haven't really gotten into it does feel more bluegrassy shanty ish and not as not as cool experimental um so this one does sound kind of like what they're what they've gone to now yeah it's cool though i like it the kids Uh love the sea shanties so (laughs) they're hot good shanty (laughs) on tiktok oh yeah um (laughs) it's the new dance craze uh we wrote down one part. I don't know. I don't remember why, but let's take a listen. Okay. Some For a home on the green. Yeah. The meandering chords. really cool and and how peaceful this is after all the chaos mm-hmm. like so cool just super cool the descending line and then it inverts and then changes tonality but repeats the phrasing that's cool great job guys good one good one it's not my favorite song on here but it's certainly cool it's really cool and pretty at times and yeah Again, that sort of that same theme of like just Mm -hmm. um, that interval, the cycles, yeah, cycling, the same intervals, sort of descending down and then going back up. It lets them explore different sonic territory because they'll be able to transpose into different keys easily. Should we go on to next to the trash? Next to the trash, sure. An eclair that I pulled out and. uh, Started noshing on. Sounds great. So Seinfeld reference. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. This feels like Bill Monroe. This feels 
Very old timey. She puts my body away next to the trash under the sink along with all of the cleaning supplies and the things that we buy and decide we don't need. Let's dampen it's dark and it's lonely. The, it's, so it's a very traditional waltz kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. But the way that he sings, uh, Joe, I know you're familiar with Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah. Reminds me of some songs off of Airplane Over the Sea, which... Yeah, I could see that. The way he I, sings it. I was just noticing how the, f- the first like couplet, he doesn't rhyme. Is that no. right? And it throws me off because it's such a very, like, just like, you know... Yeah out of the box style and i'm like why didn't he rhyme there yeah that's true. they don't that's a good really rhyme anywhere catch. in the record do they well i never notice but this one i noticed so it was just yeah. like it feels like because the melody is like very much just like the kind of melody you would sing along with this kind of like you know swinging yeah. waltzy country stuff yeah, yeah. This um this one's interesting. Like again, I feel like there's a weirdness in the lyrics with relationships and how he views relationships. But um apart from that, there's some interesting shifts in the Oh yeah. in the way that the music goes, um which I which I appreciate. And I I like the the beginning part there. Yeah, it's fun. It's very very traditional bluegrassy a western swing mm-hmm. uh, type type sound but yeah i know what you mean joe like when you sort of expect the rhyme and you don't hear it mm-hmm. um <laughs> i rewatched the princess bride yesterday it did remind me of that scene where like <laughs> that vizzini he can fuss <laughs> fuss fuss i think he liked to scream at us <laughs> I hope he did no harm. <laughs> He's really very short on charm. Okay. <laughs> um, we have a section at uh, to listen yeah, to. Yeah, this here. is the first like major shift probably in the music. Yeah, let's listen. She says, if you're playing a game, I hope you know you won't win it. And if you tell me you're next to the trash, I'll tell you I'm first shift is like could be it's like a rock song yeah i was gonna say the the way he does that uh into the head voice and then out of it is very like 50s rock and roll Mm. and like if the instrumentation were different it could be like it's got like a groove to it it could be like kind of a i don't know Mm -hmm. heavy driving thing it's interesting. Uh, I thought of that um, flipping up to falsetto. I 
I thought of it as something coming out of this kind of old timey. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of yodeling cowboy. Well, that's where it reminds me of Buddy Holly who does that sort of yodel thing a lot. Yeah. Switching in and out of head voice. In like, Oh brother, where art thou? For instance, there's a lot of that like yodely type, uh, uh, folky music. And jewel. (laughs) Jewel. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there's one section here. They go, uh, they, out of the, the three, four kind of waltz, they then bring it to the double time again. And, uh, have some cool little backing vocals. Let's listen. Playing a game, I hope you know you won't win it. And I'll be sorry if they threw you away. It's just it's we didn't. She says, boy, you better take it back right now, and I mean it. Yeah, so rough. That was, that was a yeah. cool transition. There. Yeah, sorry, not backing vocals, just that sort of like shouting in the in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The does. Yeah, I like I like that part. This definitely has a lot of turns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that big schmaltzy waltzy but, part. I mean, reminds that... me actually of uh, Squirrel Nut Zippers, like that yeah. that kind of a feel that's kind of spooky almost feeling like that really reminded me of scrawnout zippers well yeah rem- to me it sounded like a almost like a uh tavern kind of song like mm-hmm. yeah um yeah and it has a little yeah it has a little bit of a spooky <laughs> spooky scary <laughs> yeah the also the group singing like with in the room is a very squirrel nut zippers kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand back from the mic. That type of fiddle playing, like, with what Andrew Bird would have done. Like, yeah. there's a lot that actually falls into that category. Uh, Probably gives, uh, the, there's, we're talking about whether he was in the room or in a booth, and I think that's a, clearly he was in the room there because he was able to step away and you can hear the, yeah, the sound of yeah. the, the space. Yeah, yeah. Shall we listen to Welcome Home, the next track? Let's do yeah. it. I think we should do it. I do. Let's not. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's. Wouldn't that be wacky? I love the vocals on this yeah. beginning. Very yeah. cool. We've seen the smoke and Chord progression melody there. Very Radiohead. Oh yeah, that's true. The melody, the melody, the chord structure. Preempted a note that I had on this song. Was the note that (laughs) it was just like this is of the most of all the songs is the most like blue bluegrass guys that got into Radiohead. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. It has a very like the way. 
Johnny Greenwood has some some chord chord structures that he leans on and has that vibe a lot. And the like falsetto-y mm-hmm. vocals. Yeah. yeah. I think there's stuff later on too that really made me think of Radiohead. Uh I really like the lyric, welcome home, if home it is, and well you come. Uh, I think that's a really cool line. This song, to me, appears to be a song about some of his hang-ups and scars he has from Christian beliefs and maybe nervousness about afterlife stuff. Uh, Specifically, he says, saying, I never knew you. And kind of welcome home, like, um, there's a there's a Bible verse of like you don't want God to say depart from me, depart from me. I never knew you or something like that. So fun, but <laughs> but a lot people of who layers on here that I would not have gotten. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. Yeah, um, but there is like I the things that I'm like, oh yeah, Christianity is just the like. And this, it, it doesn't really make any sense, but like the overuse of the yeah. as a word, mm-hmm. I mean, unless he was really into Shakespeare or something. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, that's, that's very <laughs> old much timey. a... He's just going to be yeah. an old timey. Yeah. Yeah. It's very King James mm-hmm. kind of things here. Um, yep. Well, we have some, we have some places that we we thought were interesting there's like i think vocally there's a lot of really cool stuff on here there's a a section that has some really cool lofty vocals um yeah this is a long song packed with lots of cool stuff yeah let's take a listen Cornelius song. <laughs> oh, I like that part. Yeah, there's this one Cornelius song that is just stacked vocals like that, like staggered stacked vocals. It just reminds me of that. Um, I don't know if I know Cornelius. Yeah, I do not know that either. We should do a Cornelius record on the pod. That would be fun. All right. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just love the way that they, like just not only the like staggering of it, and but the voicing. And that's one thing I really appreciate on this record is just their voicing techniques are really cool. It gives them like a lot of tension and resolutions that are really neat. Yeah, yeah, agree. Uh, there's one more section that we have. Um, I think we wrote down that it had a really cool build. So okay. 
and I think that's like one thing about this song in general. It's just a lot of building, tearing it down, and rebuilding. Yeah. Which is really neat. Yeah. A lot of our our friend from high school building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wonder what he's up to. Probably hanging out with Pizza Dick. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> love the bluesy element they add so subtly but also with the like uh bow double bass yeah i'm reluctant to make this comparison but uh that reminds me a lot of Incubus. <laughs> nice to oh, know you. Interesting. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. it's just reminiscent of that. Like when I heard it, I was like, "That actually kind of reminded me of the Deer Hunter." That little section. Oh, interesting. My my cherished the Deer Hunter. Your <laughs> favorite. Yeah, I love that section. It's a cool I always section. forget about that section too because it's so buried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> after so much uh anticipate uh, so much build up in this song it's a really cool song there's a lot of just so many textures and dynamics they're like smooth and rough <laughs> <laughs> yeah those yeah. are the two textures <laughs> smooth and rough that's it there's only two what about slimy? Is that that's in the uh, smooth category? That's in smooth category. <laughs> or is it like a mate? Is it like a a matrix where you have smooth and rough, and then like slimy and hard? Mm. Was that was that everything we wanted to listen that, to? In that yeah, song? that was everything on that song. It's a very Good cool song, song though. I like I like that one. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I I appreciate the the album being short but packed with stuff. Um Yeah, yeah. Do you, I don't know that I could listen to like an hour and a half of it. How mm-hmm, it, how long is the album cuz I feel like, you know, it's 10 46, songs. 46 46 minutes? 46 minutes. Yeah, that sounds right. The there's the songs aren't necessarily short. No. They No. Um so it's like, you know, I didn't think of it as a short album, but I guess it's only 10 tracks, which is good. And we've, I mean, you know, given giving Weezer their uh, their cred, 10 song albums are highly underappreciated. Yeah, it's a perfect number. Looking at you, John Frusciante. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the Chili Peppers, their albums are so long like 17 songs or something well we haven't even done a uh we've talked about doing some smashing pumpkins double double records yeah that might be too much of a marathon might be yeah it might be too much two part two part app oh that's true that with melancholy that would actually work really fine yeah yeah and then the second app we dive deep into 
Billy Corgan's politics. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. We <laughs> yeah oh. we analyze his various Joe Rogan appearances. <sighs> well, shall we bring it home with the uh, this is the song. Good this luck. is the song. This is the song. <laughs> Yeah. This is the song where I listen. This is the song where I sit still. I call the dogs off all the things I'm missing. And to everyone but you before I sit still. I said good luck, good luck, good luck. This is a really nice one. I, I love this one. This one, just in that beginning, I was like, this feels a little bit more like the Americana era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, For getting sure. some, some of the like haunting Sufjan vibes. Mm. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, it, this song is really pretty. Mm-hmm. Really pretty. A lot of cool harmonies mm-hmm. in this one. Mm-hmm. This is the song. I mean, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Shall we listen to um the spot at one ten? Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Um, sign me up for that. Good luck, good luck. These are tough times. We'll get by. That was a nice sustain over violin. Oh. I like that they were like, okay, we're going to sing, but let's have multiple people sing different notes, but that sound good together. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> whoa, it's just wild. I've never, I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard people sing different notes. But, like, you'd think it would be weird, but it fits together really well. There should be, like, a word for that. Maybe, uh, har something? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Probably let's wait to come up with a word for it, because who knows if people will do that ever again. This might not catch No one's going to do that. No. Good Harmonies on that song is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. Let's round it out with one last little moment here that we didn't have a note for or an ending time, and I believe it just says ride the fader. So let's just figure it out. This one one goes out to the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Let's play us out. Let's play us out. The end of season two, just for you. front of our apartment and watch you comb the stoop for shards of porcelain 
Satisfied that there were none Just broke the silence Reminds me of Spaceballs come the desert after this I promise not to interrupt again Cause this is the song where I listen uh, I love that violin sustaining the note and it's like uh, yeah. it resolves and then is in dissonance and then resolves it's nice it's Very such pretty. a good ending song. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Nice pick. I liked this record a lot. And I have to admit, I was skeptical coming in, uh, knowing that it was uh, a project from Nickel Creek, and I was not sure what I was going to be getting into, but I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, same. I'd say kind of... Um, it was really nice to be introduced to this and I was maybe not being as open as I should have been when I first started to listen to it, but won me over. That's good. I think that's good. We, good, to, good to hear. Yeah. I yeah, just, I was still dealing with, you know, with a little of a coheed, uh, coheed hangover. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm super happy that you guys enjoyed this because I like I said I said to Matt earlier I thought that it had the ingredients of stuff that you think would think was great but I just wasn't sure um, and you know it's not something I'm going to listen to a ton necessarily going forward but I I liked revisiting it and I still really like this era of Chris Thiele's work so it was fun and I'm glad you guys were open to it yeah thank you yeah well we're probably taking a little break here i think we'll probably come back with a with a fresh season for you but for the time being we might be uh taking taking some time off you dummies need to find a new podcast just make sure you come back the listeners we do have just make sure you come back check check it in a couple months and see if we've uh, come back so if you write us We'll and you continue listening. We'll send you like a card. It says thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay. And yeah, but follow us on us. Instagram if you haven't. And a picture. Okay. <laughs> a really nice, a really nice picture of us uh, with our hoods up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, thank you guys. This has been fun. And as always. Stay frosty. When I hear the music, I'm like, ugh.